Hey, how's it going? All my family online, V1 Church family, everyone who tunes into the podcast and watches the live stream every week. This is Pastor Mike Signorelli from V1 Church. And I wanted to send you like this, this message in a different format today for one reason. One reason only, we've got multiple redundancies on Sunday to record the podcast and they failed today. It was like one of those crazy freak accidents where you're like, for real, the USB and Pro Tools and everything else that we use to communicate these messages and get them digitally to you, it just completely screwed up all of them. Like, and it was such, it was one of those things where like, you don't wanna blame the devil on the technology, but you feel like it is the devil in the technology, uh, it was it was on that level. So here here's the reality of it. This message is so important. It's Sunday right now. It's Sunday evening. And I already started to get my DMs filling up from people who heard this preach this morning at our 9 and 10, 10 a.m. service. And it's to the point where it's like, I got so much feedback from the change that it made in people's lives that I rushed back here to go immediately release the podcast only to realize that I physically couldn't do it. So whether you're listening to the podcast right now or watching this online in any form, I want to welcome you and I'm going to throw this message down and I, whether it was just a tech fail multiple redundancies in a row or wh- whether it was something a little bit more clandestine than that and maybe some would say demonic if you're old school no matter what it is I got to get this message to you and I'm going to release this burden because we actually have people who listen to our podcast every single week in over 61 countries and we track that data we are are now actually discipling people in other nations as the live stream from Facebook has begun to reach outside of not just New York City, Metro, Long Island, but even outside the United States. So I want to tell you this, it matters so much that you hear this message that it's not enough that this thing got played for, you know, or that I was actually able to, to preach this thing with a mic in my hand uh, for, you know, the people of V1 Church this morning. I, I've got to get this message to you too. So what I want you to do is I want to invite you to just open up your Bible with me and uh, get into the word with me. And I'm going to preach this message. This is the grand finale of default mode. And I believe that God specifically got a word for you. I said it this morning, live and in person. I'm going to say it again. I do not believe in coincidences. I believe in confirmation. And however you're getting this message, I just have to believe through the sovereignty of God that it's getting to you the exact same way you need it. Maybe I'm going to say something a little bit different this time. Uh, Maybe it's going to be something that I get, I, I hammer in a way that I did not on the other ones. And God knew that it was specifically for you. So dig in and take notes. I encourage you to write it down. Things that are important in life get written down. If the word of God and the revelation of God through me today is important to you, write it down and and look at it throughout the week. This is default mode, grand finale, and and the title of this message today is is one that I'm going to say a couple of times throughout the duration of this. It's take another look. Would you just take another look? I don't know what your circumstance looks like, but would you take another look at it? I don't know what you see when you look in the mirror, but would you take another look? You know, I want to read this to you. It's so powerful. It's Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says this. So you can write this down. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Being confident of this, 
that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, what God started in you, he's going to be faithful to finish it. We've been going through how to break default mode this entire month, and I believe there is a lot on the line. There are there were hundreds of people who came out of church today who had the default mode in their life broken. I believe they left different than they came. You can actually turn this podcast off when it's over and leave differently. And, and I mean, it might even be something, there might even be something about you listening to this in a different format that makes you realize that, you know what? Yeah, we need to attend church. Never underestimate the power of your presence. But there's something about just maybe you watching this in the home that you're in default mode constantly in or listening to this podcast in whatever environment that causes you to be triggered to go back to default mode. So there's something so significant about maybe even this format for you. But let me remind you this. For those of you who know the, the Bible, Jacob was a cheater. Peter had a temper and an anger problem. David actually slept with a married woman and had an affair. Noah got junk, drunk. I mean, the guy was saving all of humanity on the ark. And, um, and in a moment of, of des- desperation, he got drunk. Jonah ran from God. Paul was a murderer. Gideon was insecure. We're going to be talking about insecurities today. Miriam was a gossip. Martha was a worrier. Thomas was a doubter. Sarah was impatient. Elijah was moody. Moses stuttered. Abraham was old. And Lazarus was actually dead. And if you're not dead, you're not done. We're talking about the supernatural power of God that will cause you to take another look. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the laundry list of the heroes of faith and they had issues. But when you take another look, you see the power of God so evident in their life that it was just, there was no other explanation for what had transpired over the course of their destiny that God had been actually working in them and through them for it to be possible. At a certain point, Mike Signorelli was an adulterer. Mike Signorelli was an alcoholic. And the most important word in that entire list that I read to you a few moments ago is the word was. You know, and I, I guess what I'm asking you today is what was you? <laughs> what were you? What's your was? And, and thank God that we're not where we used to be. I mean, I may not be where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. You got to take another look. Philippians chapter one, verse six, he says, I'm confident in this, that God started something in you. Maybe he started it in your uh, church camp many years ago. You were a church camp kid and he started something in you. You had an encounter. You had a supernatural moment in your life. Maybe he started in you uh, years ago at another church you currently don't attend with another pastor that you hadn't talked to in a while, but he started something. God himself started something in you. I'm confident that he He's going to finish the work that he started in you because God doesn't start anything in our lives that he doesn't intend to accomplish. 
And so today you've got to take another look. We're talking about default mode. And, and you know, the reality is we're all in this situation where we're constantly provoked to conform to these societal standards. I mean, the thing about it is like in the proverbial high school of life, where it's no longer you and 900 of your peers, thanks to Instagram and thanks to Facebook, it's you and 9 million of your peers. I mean, it's everyone and their mother who eats right and has a six pack after having seven and a half kids. You know, it's like, this is the world we live in. Just when you thought that you delivered the most epic message of your life, you preached that sermon with everything you had, you go watch a furtive clip and realize that you are just still dealing in the elementary things of God. I mean, that, that's, that's what we're dealing with right now. And sometimes those insecurities that plague us are magnified by social media. They're magnified by Instagram. They're magnified by Facebook. I mean, if you're having trouble conceiving a kid, I mean, do you ever get sick of going on Instagram and watching everyone you know have a baby spontaneously? I mean, if you, if you feel like you cannot find the love of your life, uh, do you just find it very difficult to watch Facebook when it says, that your best friend's engaged and then your other friend's engaged and everyone's getting engaged. I mean, those insecurities plague us today and it's put under a microscope through social media. And what happens is when those insecurities work over on your mind, it causes you to slip back into default mode. Because you say, if I can't live up to that standard, then I'm just gonna check out. I'm just, I'm just, gonna, you know, I'm just gonna live however I want because I can't live like I want to. And I think what God's kind of been been just taking us on a journey through default mode this entire series is to say, it's time for you to take another look. Because you know what? God's got something unique for you. God's got something different for you. And, 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 you know, for me, it's like, I think back to when I first started dating Julie, you know, she resisted me. I'll just put it like that. I, I had no mojo. I had no secret, like, you know, secret sauce. It was like, no, I, every single time I asked her out, she said no. And finally she, she gave me a yes. And now the, the thing about it was I, I was actually, uh, this all, no, this happened many years ago. Okay. And I didn't have a, um, you know, Chris Evans rocking this like hairy chest, Captain America, you know, kind of thing. I didn't have Jason Statham. I didn't have Hugh Jackman, literally Wolverine. It's sexy to be hairy. And this was more like when we had these legendary music artists, um, like 98 Degrees or the Backstreet Boys or Sync, And these guys were hairless. Um, they had baby soft, smooth chests. And in that era, my, my, my now wife, at the time she was, she was my, not even my girlfriend, she was the girl I was stalking that kept telling me no to a date, had made just like this momentary um, observation that, and she had communicated this over the phone. I, she had said, I, I, you know, I could never date, I don't think I could ever marry or date a guy who's hairy. Now, if you're watching the video, or if you know me, you know that I am basically like uh, the millennial teen wolf. And how I knew I started puberty is like at 12 years old, I looked in the mirror at my house and started itch all over and started to, to howl like a wolf and grow fangs and, uh, and became the teen wolf. <laughs> Just kidding. Underneath my shirt now, I have a permanent black sweater on. And if you think this is disgusting, this is just the reality of being Italian in America, okay? So I had thought to myself, 
I, there's no way I can show up on this first date and with, with, with like this. I mean, this, she, this immediate rejection, I've already got through the biggest hurdle. So I did something that I do not recommend to any of you. I actually nared my chest. Now, nair is, uh, to nair is a verb, like I nared when you say that, and it's a verb that means to melt your skin off of the bone. That's what, that's what nared means, okay? Now, what happened was, being a testosterone-driven man, I read the bottle, it said leave it on for two minutes, and so I decided, you know what? If it, if you know what, it's it's like you gotta double it because that's what men do. So I left it on for double the amount of time. Now, when the time was up, I went to go make my first swipe and take the chest hair off, and I realized my instant thought, my first instantaneous thought was, wow, this really worked. My, my, my immediate thought after that was, oh my God, I'm dying, I'm bleeding profusely, and I don't have skin in that spot anymore because I left the nair on too long, <laughs> okay? And, and then, then I, went, I went to go pick her up, and you know, I'm driving with my hand you know, on the steering wheel, and I'm doing everything I can to not let anything touch my, this, my, my raw chest. And, and we go through the day, and she's finally like, is there anything, I mean, is there something wrong? And I'm like, you know, I kind of waited to the end to tell her. I'm like, you know, here's the deal. I, I, you had said that you don't like hairy guys, and I'm hairy, so I uh, I nared my chest off like completely, like not just the hair, but the actual skin is gone as well, and I'm in so much excruciating pain. And uh, she was like, "Yep, that's weird. All right, good night, <laughs> goodbye." And my point in even telling you this, because we're going through default mode, is there's always pain associated with trying to be someone that you're not. And for me, it was the pain of uh, of Nair. So if you're if you're tweeting that, it's uh, it's there's always pain associated with trying to be someone you're not. Hashtag Nared. I don't know what you're trying to be. I don't know what Instagram has convinced you you should be. I don't know what Facebook has convinced you should be. I don't care what your friends or your family, whatever tradition you come from, has convinced you to be. There's always gonna be pain associated with trying to be someone that you're not. I mean, it's like, do you ever feel like culture really doesn't represent you? Like, there's not any one person that, or an influencer that you follow that you're like, yeah, that, that, that guy's me. I, I can just like replicate the pattern of his life. I mean, do you ever think that there are things that um, no one really gets? Like, there's things that happen in your mind. There's things that, that occur inside of your being that you're like, I doubt anyone thinks this way. I doubt that anyone could ever feel this way. I mean, um, do you ever like literally talk Talk to yourself and, and, and you're like, I want to break through the next level and then you find yourself just backing down every single time and going back into default mode. If you do, I've got a word for you today. It's in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Now, you can kind of flip there in your Bible um, and, and you can kind of take notes with me. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 6 through 12. And it says this. It says, When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. It says, the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord actually looks at the heart. You better take another look. 
That's what he told. Now, to kind of put this into context for you, uh, at this particular time, what you had was a prophet that was designated over the nation of Israel. And at this time in, in, in the history of, of Israel as a, as a people, it was actually believed that, uh, that, that that designation of a prophet, the national prophet, when he spoke, God spoke. It was synonymous with each other. They were working in tandem, in unity. And so the decision that Saul was making in 1 Samuel chapter 16 was a weighty decision decision. There was a gravity even on his presence being there. And then to further contextualize 1 Samuel chapter 16, uh, biblical scholars actually believe that the first portion of this, of the book of 1 Samuel was written by Samuel himself, which means, and I guess what that means for you is that it's a first person narration, um, basically told from a third person perspective. And the same prophet Samuel, who spoke with a with a right now word as he began to write these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit um, and the very Spirit of God and that prophetic anointing on his life has a word for you too. And there's implications for what happened um, here in the history of, of, of the nation of Israel for your life specifically. And, and what you need to understand about the 16th chapter of 1 Samuel is that it actually begins with this vignette, this picture of of uh, Saul, this, this now deranged leader who only sought after his own way. And, and really the fast track to losing your way, and you can write this down, the fastest track to losing your way is trying to get your own way all the time. And see, what happened was Saul didn't want the person of God. He wanted the plan. And he thought that that plan was going to give him success. And you know, a lot of times, and and this is what I see a lot, especially in New York, where you've got to strategize and do everything you can to make $500,000 a year to be middle class out here. You know, at least that's what it feels like. People are like, you know, forget about the person. I want the plan. Give me the 12 steps to success. And then if I can do all 12 of those steps tonight, I'll wake up tomorrow successful. And see, Saul had this self-ambition, this self-will, and and the very root of that is evil because we're supposed to lay everything down before the feet of Jesus and say, not my will, but yours. Jesus himself, who is actually number one at being number two, surrendered his entire life to God by saying, you know, in the garden experience, God, nevertheless, not my will, but yours, and modeled for us how we ought to actually have a relationship with God. Push all of our selfish ambition aside and say, God, not my will, but yours. Saul represents what it looks like to not just have, but be under a leader who is just a self-obsessed. We live in a self-obsessed culture. And, and, And I think that what's important for you to understand is that 1 Samuel chapter 16 starts off with a, with a nation that now is beginning in the, in the very, they're in the very beginning phases of kind of being distraught and dismayed at, at maybe some of the inner circles leaking out this idea that their leader might not be with it anymore. Maybe you live under a deranged, self-obsessed leader. Maybe you work for a self-obsessed, deranged leader. I mean, the Saul, the, the Saul spirit, the Saul element that he had is a very real phenomenon, and it's something that people struggle with. And, and, and see, the Bible actually says that my, my word is a lamp unto
to your feet. It doesn't say it's a floodlight. It doesn't say that it's going to give you all the intricacies of every single detail of your future so that you can just do that. Because what happens is a, a foot lamp, if, if God's word is a lamp unto your feet, it means it's going to give you one step at a time. And see, what's going to happen is God's never going to put you in a position where you can divorce yourself from the very presence of God in your life. What that means is that he prohibits you from seeing every single step that's going to transpire in your life so that you have a need for relationship with him in your life. And so while the world is seeking a plan, if you would be the kind of person who would who would seek the person, if you would say, God, forget about all the steps. I may not ever be able to walk them all out if I knew them, but if I know you and I can take you by the hand, you can take me on this journey. I can continue to surrender my plans. I can continue to surrender my so own selfish ambition. And I know that you can take me somewhere my own ambition could never get me. And I think that that's what's at stake when you look at Saul versus David. That's the real comparison that's happening right now. Because now look at David in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Let me read this again. It's in, in verse 6. It says, when they arrive, who's they? It's the sons of Jesse. So he gets all of his sons together and lines them up now so that actually the prophet, could, the very oracle of God, the one that speaks on behalf of God, can designate one of them the new future king over the entire nation. But what I think is interesting, and I, I should point this out to you, is it says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands before the Lord. Now, what's important is that that word they did not encompass David. Have you ever felt left out? Have you ever felt like it was appropriate for you to not even be around when there was things of significance going down? Have you ever felt like it in your circles, it's actually okay for you to do all the work while everyone watches? I mean, that's what David's life was. Somehow, one of the most, if not the most significant characters of the entire nation shows up to their house and they don't even have the wherewithal to go get their brother from the backside of the hill where he's taking care of sheep. I mean, that says something about the culture of that home is that it was that that David was so about his father's business not just his earthly father but his spiritual father's business that that and he was so secure in who he was through God that 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 even when and then on the flip side of that that even when Samuel came to basically line them all up there wasn't enough favor in his own house for him to be included in that lineup and I don't know what your situation is right now, but you better take another look because God is never going to forget you on the backside of the hill, hidden in obscurity, doing the things that are seemingly meaningless, but mean everything because they're right in front of you where you're at. I, I mean, I, that's to me, this is such a story about how God will never cause you to be overlooked. But there are some insecurities that you've got to get victory over to even be in the lineup, to even be called out from the backside of insecurities or, you know, obscurity and out of your insecurities into what God has for you. And what I see is such a picture of this David Saul. What it's like to be self-ambitious and self-obsessed and what it's like to be selfless and surrendered to the very will of God of your life. 
And, and, and what happened is like, as you continue to, to read, it's like the Lord kind of rebukes Samuel. I mean, he corrects him in this moment and, and he teaches him something about his, the, his own nature when he corrects him. And he says, do not consider his appearance or his height. I mean, that's a command. Don't even consider his appearance. Don't even consider his height. What he was saying in that moment was, hey, the metrics for success on Instagram don't apply to who I anoint. I've got, don't, their appearance is not going to determine, uh, or their height is, or their weight is not going to determine necessarily what I can do with their life. And he says this, because I've rejected this guy because I've measured him by a different standard. And see, there's a lot of people right now in this era who are going really far online, who are going really far in the local church, who are going really far in business, but they're going really far by the wrong standard. When Jesus shows up and he brings out the great, the great rod and the great measuring, measuring weights, and, and, and he says, I'm weighing your heart by its capacity for love and faith. And I'm also considering how much fear is in your heart as well. And he tells him this, he says, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the very heart. Looks at the very heart. Then Jesse called, you know, the other sons and they begin this to continue down, bringing the lineup. And, and here's the point that matters most. It was, he said to him, it's time to take another look. And in the midst of that caused David to come forth. Now, when David stood in the company of his brothers, they had all just experienced rejection. See, sometimes when God calls your number and it's time for a promotion in your life, you will be literally promoted by, by the very people that rejected you as they experienced rejection in the next level. And see, what happened was as David stood before uh, not just Samuel, not just his brothers, but he stood before the Lord. He stood triumphant in three areas that he gained victory over. Number one is this. There was a lie that he believed that he could have believed. He could have took the bait of this lie. It was because you'll never be them, you'll never be anything. I mean, the reality was he had brothers that maybe were taller than him, brothers that maybe had at that point accomplished more than him, brothers that had skill sets in different areas that were being praised by other people. And he could have believed the lie and taken the bait because you'll never be them, you'll never be anything. I think we tell ourselves that lie all the time. Because I can never preach like so-and-so, I'll never be a notable preacher. Because I can't lead like so-and-so, I'll never be a notable leader. And we tell ourselves these kinds of lies, but here's the truth, and this is the truth that David knew. I am different by design. The world needs me to be me. How did David know that? Because he spent time with the designer. See, the one who made you is the only one who can unlock the fullness of the secrets about why you are made the way you're made. And see, you are made, you are, very, you are different by design, not different by accident, not different by even abuse or different by wounds. You are different by God's design. And, and see, it's he wants to redeem that nature, de redeem that design to just show you that the world needs you to be the true you. But you'll never know the true you if you're looking for 12 steps to success. You're not going to always get the plan, but you can have the person, which is Jesus, in your life. And when you have that, you'll know it's time to take another look. It wasn't like I thought it was. Line number two, that David stood in the company of his brothers triumphant over this lie. And you need to get victory over this lie as well. It's because they had a different situation, they had a different outcome.
I just got to get vulnerable with you right now, and hopefully that's okay. Um, when I was growing up, I looked at people who had dads, who had good dads, and I would think to myself, well, you know, they're going to be successful because they have a different input in their life. So input equals output. So, you know, their dad's wealthy, their dad's invested and involved. So surely they can repeat that success, if not greater. I, I, I used to have this lie that I believe that, that, that basically because they had a different situation, they had a different outcome. So I've got this outcome because I have a different situation. I used to think early in my marriage that if I would have seen a better marriage growing up. I mean, I had uh, my, my mom, you know, was divorced and remarried. I had abusive stepfathers. And I used to actually say to myself, if, if I had a different situation, if I saw a different kind of husband, I could be a different kind of husband. And that was the lie that I believed. I'm, I mean, that, that's a lie that that's one of the insecurities that you have to defeat to end up obtaining your purpose and your destiny in life. And here's the truth. And David understood this and you can understand this too. And this is what he said. And you can make the same declaration. I was given circumstances that God knew I would survive and use to save others. That's another way of looking at it, isn't it? That I was given situations and circumstances in life that God said, no, no, no. You don't understand how different by design he is. He can actually bear the weight of the very thing that he's going through now. And not only is he going to go through it, but he's actually going to survive it and use it to save others. And so there's some something in your life that maybe is unraveling right now while I'm talking and communicating and causing you to think to yourself, yes, God knew that thing wouldn't destroy me. God knew that thing wasn't going to take me out. God knew that that thing wasn't going to overcome me, but he knew I was strong enough to survive and then save other people. And I want you to understand today that if you'll believe that truth, that truth that you did survive it, but it's not just for your own survival, but it's for the saving of many. Just like Joseph said, Joseph said, man, listen, what you meant for evil, what you meant for harm, God is turning it around for the saving of many. And the third lie that you always could receive the bait, take the bait to believe is because I go unnoticed, my purpose goes unfulfilled. I mean, how could I possibly fulfill my purpose if I continue to go unnoticed? I'm here in obscurity. And, 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 and I think the truth is this, and it's, it's God's word. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 16, it says, A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. See, in a self-obsessed, self-promoting world, this book teaches us there's another way. It's not self-promotion, it's actually self-demotion. That it's when you get down that you go up. It's like you wanna take flight in the things of God. You wanna know what true success is? It's not trying to climb the ladder of success, it's trying to get down on your knees and say, God, I'm surrendered, I'm yours. I'm praying until this Sweat turns into blood after Jesus that moderated it for me. I'm not, it's not going to be self-promotion. It's going to be self-demotion. It's not my will. It's not my way. It's your way. And as you begin to align yourself with the heart of God, by, then, then God says, that's the heart I'm looking at. That's the heart that caused David to be promoted in the first chapter, uh, first Samuel chapter 16. And, and it, the Lord began to literally be attracted to his heart. And you know, it's so important that you understand that the Lord values 
faith and, and he values the capacity for love that's in your heart. And as you begin to come into a fullness of that, you can move into the next level, the next, you know, the next, the next arena for your life. Cause you'll say, you know what? A man's gift makes room for him. And actually it's the gift that brings him before great men. You know what that means? You don't have to be a Facebook preacher. It means you don't have to wait for your pastor to, you know, oh, I can't wait for him to schedule me to preach, so I'm going to go ahead and make my own thing. It's like the thing about it is this. It's like when you get to the point where you're so surrendered, you'll say, God, this gift is in me, but it's 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 of you. And you've given this thing, and I'm trusting you with it. For me, there were many years in my life where I had to trust God. God, I don't know how this vision to plant a church is going to come to pass. It seems so radical, so crazy, so expensive, so impossible, but, but I was so surrendered, surrendered to the local church, surrendered to my lead pastor, surrendered to the call of God in my life through that house, surrendered to um, the vision of that house, surrendered, surrendered, surrendered. And it was in the midst of that, that that gift made room for me here on Long Island, here in New York. And it's continued to make room for me. And and the reality too, is that, is that anytime you're around anyone who's accomplished any measure of success, you see that their level of humility always equals and stays in stride with their level of success because as you become more successful you also simultaneously become more aware at how unable you were to make that very thing happen and David is such a good example of this because he was in obscurity on the backside of the hill being faithful to the very thing that God put in front of him now God didn't give him uh, in at that particular juncture in time the opportunity to lead a nation that's not what was in front of him it was leading sheep it wasn't leading a nation it was leading dumb animals who defecate on themselves and go astray and literally are prey in every single sense of the word, which means that they need constant care. It wasn't even like a job he couldn't pay attention to. It was something that needed constant care and he devoted himself to stupid animals because that's what was in front of him then. And I think oftentimes we miss that because we don't want to grind. We don't want to do the thing that's going to take us a long time to do. It's not, we don't want to go through the process. We And that's why we go back into default mode because we tee up and we swing for the fences and act like we're in the World Series of life for two days. And champions train like they're in the World Series every day. And then they do that until it gives rise to the level of success that matches the stadium training that they've been doing the whole time. And so here's the thing that I want to impart to you is that David wasn't trying to be his brothers. He was only trying to be a son. You know, and I think you need to think about that. Think about your life, who you're trying to be. I think for me, there's so much potential for me to emulate. There's so many, so much potential for me to replicate. But I've been living in this headspace lately where it's like, man, God, I'm not trying to be my brothers. I'm just trying to be your son. What do you have for me? You know, it's it's it's. It's this thing that I, I'm trying to get through to you today, and I think that you see it in Scripture. You know, verse 10 says, Jesse had seven of his sons passed before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? And then God said divinely in that moment, take another look. Take another look. There is still the youngest. Jesse answered, he is tending to the sheep. Samuel said, send him for, send for him. Uh, we will not sit down till he arrives. And so all the brothers who thought they were, they th- thought they were the stuff 
had to stand and literally give their brother a standing ovation as he walked in, coming in. I'm telling you, you're getting ready to walk into a new arena. You're getting ready to walk into a new dimension. You're getting ready to walk into a new level. You are getting ready to walk into a promotion. You are getting ready to walk into your destiny. You are getting ready to walk into your calling. And and some of the very people who dogged you and dissed you are going to be standing by. I love so much it says, and he said, then we will not sit down until he arrives. I'm telling you, God will will cause them to stay. He'll cause them to stay alive for a day longer to watch you step into your destiny if you believe it. And he says this, so he sent for him. He had brought him in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. You know, 1 Samuel chapter 16 closes with David in service of Saul. Another heart test, another heart check. It wasn't enough. But then chapter 17, David conquers Goliath. You know what preceded the giant falling in the natural realm was the giant of David's pride, the giant of David's ambition, the giant of David's self-will, all had to fall before he ever even had the opportunity to risk his life to fight the giant of Goliath. And, and, and I think that for you, your insecurities can actually become inner security. How? You're like, how is that possible? The things that I struggle with so much, all these insecurities that plague me, all these insecurities that literally whisper into my head, go back to alcohol, go back to infidelity, go back to porn, go back to these things are, are constantly telling me because you'll never be good enough for the future that you lied to yourself about. And that's the warfare that happens over your mind. And you're like, how could it possibly be anything other than an insecurity? You're telling me, preacher, that it can actually be inner security? Yes. And I want you to imagine this with me right now. I want you to imagine that instead of just being perpetually wounded, perpetually rejected, instead of constantly being triggered by someone else's success, you log into Facebook and Instagram and you're able to smash that love button. You're able to actually double tap every single one of their pictures to say, because God has done something into me that my insecurities are now actually inner security. But how's it going to happen? You're going to say like this, you know what? My insecurity is doing one thing for me. It's actually leveraging so much evidence to everyone around me that Jesus is who he says he is because the very thing that I'm about to accomplish with my life is so undeniably impossible without him that my insecurity actually becomes an inner security. It's just like Paul and the apostles. They begin to say, you know, as they begin to preach and advance this thing called the kingdom of heaven on earth, there were even accounts where they said, we actually determined that these are uneducated men. They look and appear to be idiots and yet they're accomplishing seemingly impossible things with their life. And so therefore your insecurities become inner security because you say, my insecurities are just revealing that this whole thing isn't about me. It's about Jesus. It always will be about Jesus. It points to Jesus. Even my weakness, even my failure is proof that Jesus is capable of doing whatever he wants to do if we yield our lives and say yes completely. I mean, that's the message of V1 Church is to say yes completely. And, and, and sometimes to say yes 
completely to Jesus, you've got to say no to some insecurities that keep causing you to go to default mode. So what I want you to do right now as I just close this message out is I want you to think and imagine right now in your mind's eye to get a picture of what it would be like for you to be completely healed and whole, to see yourself no longer abandoned, no longer insecure, no longer struggling through life, constantly asking who am I and what am I supposed to do? I want you to imagine right now a picture in your mind where you're not striving anymore for the 12 steps to success and all the programming that you can do to try to renege your, you know, get your way to, to strategize and get your way into your future, but you actually say, Jesus, I want you. You are the the center of my life and you are the reward. And I want you first and I want you last and I want you in the middle of this whole thing. And God, I'm so sick and tired of trying to get my own way. But I'm telling you guys, there's a peace that surpasses all understanding when you surrender everything. And I'm, I'm here to say that as you're imagining your life, imagining yourself different, imagining your family different. What you're doing right now is you're taking another look. You're actually saying, yes, there is another way. There's another way. Even my insecurity can become inner security when God and God alone is at the forefront of of my entire existence. And so today I want to just pray for you. I want to pray for you if you're listening right now. I want to pray for you if you're watching this right now and pray that you can just in the default mode, surrender, surrender, surrender your your course and say, God, have your way in my life. So I do this every single week. I did this this morning at, at, at V1 Church, and I want to do this now with you. Maybe this is the very first time you've prayed this prayer, or maybe you've prayed it many, many times, but you need to renew the joy of your salvation. I'm going to lead you through a prayer right now, and you can actually say this prayer. And as you say this prayer, that is confessing with your mouth and saying, God, I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I've made mistakes. I've got insecurities because I just continue to mess up over and over again. But I do believe that you can be Lord and Savior of my life. And I believe that as you'll just repeat these words in the next few moments with me and and just confess with your mouth that you will be saved. Sometimes it's being saved from ourselves, not just saved from hell, but saved from our own insecurity, saved from the the thoughts that ravage our mind so that you can say today that your insecurities have actually become inner security because they're pointing back to Jesus. So would you just pray this with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that today you are in charge. I give you my life. I give you my all. I give you my everything. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my everything. Today I choose to give you my life. Today I choose to surrender all. Today I choose to take another look. And I thank you for revealing to me another picture of what is and another picture of what is to come. And I believe the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining me on uh, the very last 
episode of Default Mode. If this message blessed you, I encourage you to share it with your friends, share it with your family members, and it's not enough for us to get free. Let's break some chains and free some other people. Love you, church. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.